Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. And I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And we are in Indianapolis now. Uh, we were in Westfield the last few days, the Browns and Colts holding joint practices. We are sitting on a patio uh, outside of a hotel downtown, so if you hear a little traffic noise or whatever, that's why. But we wanted to get an Orange and Brown talk out to you guys after the joint practices um, and, and kind of talk about what we saw and what we thought from, um, from what we saw in Grand Park, which Mary Kay is one of the wildest facilities i've ever seen it's 400 acres it's like plopped on top of a cornfield it looks like 400 acres there's baseball fields soccer fields uh there's a, an indoor training facility i think for the pacers uh, there's, there's just all kinds of stuff there it was a crazy facility yeah it was pretty incredible and westfield seems like it's going to be the new boom town i think <laughs> if we come back here for joint practices over the next few years it's going to be so built up over there around Grant Park, but it's it's a pretty incredible facility, and you, you almost wonder if that's kind of what uh, the the idea or the vibe they were trying to get with the with the Spire Institute in, yeah. in Geneva. It's not, you know, Spire is nowhere near as big as Grand Park, but it's sort of the same idea. Yeah, it was it was something else. So uh, Colts and Browns joint practices. We're going to go through six topics like we normally do, um, and talk about each one. So. Uh, Mary Kay, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Um, one of the things I wrote a lot about over these two days was Odell Beckham Jr., what's going on with him? Uh, you know, we were told that he does have a hip injury, and that's why he's been sitting out. Uh, but then, you know, we got into it a little bit more with Odell and with Freddie, and it seems to me that what they're trying to do is kind of put him in bubble wrap a little bit and keep him healthy for the season. He... He had a really bad quad injury at the end of last year that cost him four games. He had a broken ankle that required surgery the year before that cost him 12 games. I think for the most part, they are just trying to get him to the season healthy and that we won't see too much of him this preseason. Yeah, I, you know, you, we can obviously talk about whether it's the right approach and, and you know, if him and Baker need to develop more of a rhythm in practices and in preseason games, but um, at the same time, you want this guy to be out there on September 8th, and you, you would hate to see something happen, an injury happen. I mean, we saw a Colts player go down yesterday uh, just blocking on a run drill, and, uh, you know, he has a fractured ankle, dislocated ankle. He's, he's likely out for the year. Um, that's obviously an extreme example, 
But those are the things you want to guard against. You can always get hurt playing football, whether it's practice, games, whatever. And I, I think the Browns look at it like, let's not get this guy hurt in August. Let's get him out there in September because that's when we really need him. Yeah, and, you know, both um, Odell and, and Freddie and even Baker, they addressed that whole chemistry issue about how that's going to go. And they all talk about the mental reps and things like that. Uh, and, and they will have that. And what we have seen, when we have seen them together, they have been dynamite. I mean, these guys are so incredibly, incredibly talented. And Odell has such a big catch radius, and Baker is so accurate that if, even if they're not 100% perfect, they are still going to make a ton of plays even early on together. So I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. But I also think that there is something to be said for repping it over and over and over and over with your guy. And I think that's why Baker has, still to this day, better chemistry with Rashard Higgins than any other receiver on the roster. Yeah, I mean, Baker's a big reason why Rashard even made this roster a year ago because they were they were stuck working with the twos. Uh, Baker was behind Terod Ter- Taylor, and Rashard Higgins was just trying to survive. And the two really bonded and connected. Uh, at one point last year, Rashard Higgins was living with Baker Mayfield, so... Um, there's a real chemistry there. We, I talk about it all the time. On third and seven, Baker Mayfield knows where 81 is going to be. Um, I, I don't know if him and Odell are going to be there yet, and that's just one of those things that you build that chemistry a little bit in August, but also really you build that just over years and years of playing together. Uh, and so it, t- it takes a little time. I think there's going to be moments early in the year where him and where Odell and Baker just aren't on the same page. And you kind of cross your fingers and just hope that it doesn't happen on one of those big third downs. Well, we saw it in the in that one first practice where yeah. Odell didn't come back to him on the scramble drill and Baker lost it. I mean, he, you know, and, you know, Freddie talked about, you know, there's a sense of urgency now. Mm-hmm. And if you're not out there getting the reps, you really are having to work overtime on the mental side of the game. The good thing about that for both of these guys is they are both so football smart. Their football acumen and IQ is so incredibly high that, you know, I think they'll be able to catch up pretty quickly. Okay, topic number two. I'm going to talk about Baker uh, because one of the the kind of fun things when you go and practice against another team is you get to see how the other side reacts to the Browns. You know, we're obviously in Browns training camp all the time, and we see what other Browns media say. We talk to Browns players. We talk to Browns coaches. But uh, what kind of happens now is – Indiana, Indiana uh, Colts media gets to get an up-close look at Baker Mayfield. And the reviews were pretty solid. Um, one, one media member went on Twitter and called him a problem. Uh, they were really impressed with the Browns' offense and what Baker Mayfield was able to do. We've seen some national people come into Berea. Um, who, When, when you kind of watch Baker throw the ball up close, it's, it's really something to watch when he's on that day. Uh, and, and I just think more and more people are kind of understanding just how good Baker Mayfield could end up being. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's a really, really good quarterback, and it's it's obvious to see that. And again, some of these, you know, some of the Colts media had never really seen him up, up close and personal yeah. before, and you can see the talent that he has. And I would say that Baker and the Browns offense won yesterday, but I wouldn't say that they completely dominated the two days. I didn't get that sense. Uh, I I think that the Colts looked to me like a really good football team, too. They made their plays. Even yesterday, when uh, when the Browns were really taking it to them and went down there and scored in the two-minute draw, they they made some plays as well. Uh, You know, even in, you know, seven-on-sevens, you know, there were breakups. There 
Uh, Baker got picked off on a, on a pass for Higgins. Uh, so they had, you know, they had their moments as well. But Baker does stand out. His, his talent is evident. You know, the, the minute you start watching him, it, there, you know, you do have that kind of wow moment. Yeah, and, and you see that, you know, one of the great things about getting to watch training camp up close is you get to see that zip on the ball. And, and you get to see how he kind of produces as much power as he does for not being six foot five, you know, two hundred forty pounds or whatever. You see, like the his ability to put velocity on the ball and zip on the ball. It, it's really something to see in person. And you know, we had an opportunity to kind of see how folks who don't watch that every day kind of respond to seeing him throw the football. Um, and, and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of, of these joint practices. Topic three. Uh, topic three is let me go with <laughs> I'm going to start next with Nick Chubb. I thought if you had to hand out an MVP award for the Browns for the practices against the Colts I would give it to Nick Chubb. He was incredible relentless he ran like he was in a playoff game both days he kept running after the whistle blew and he was you know, technically down uh, he would kept, keep going after that. Yesterday, he had a 65-yard blast for a touchdown that Baker was so fired up about it that he he found some, <laughs> he turned on the Jets, found some speed he didn't even know he had and ran down the field after him uh, to chase him down to celebrate. So uh, he set the tone for physicality, for nastiness, toughness, relentlessness in these practices. And I was thinking yesterday... If Freddie wanted to, you know, really show this football team what he wants, he should just get everyone one of those little rubber bracelets that says, what would Nick do? <laughs> He's probably, I mean, you mentioned the MVP of the two joint practices. I think you could make the case that he'd be in the running for MVP of training camp. He's yeah. been that good. Um, and coming into this year, I think a lot of people assumed Nick Chubb would be poised for a breakout year. You know, get him on your fantasy team, all that stuff. And this training camp and those two practices, now I didn't watch the offense a lot yesterday, so I'm kind of going off of, you know, what you guys have told me that we're watching the offense and, um, you know, what I saw on Twitter and things like that. But, you know, he's he's delivered so far. He's shown how good he is in this scheme. He's great at just one cut and go, mm-hmm. and, and you see it all the time. His first cut is incredible, and then he just goes, and he's got that explosion we saw it in real games last year. You know, we've seen it in camp this year, that explosion to turn, what, a five-yard run into a 60-yard run or a 92-yard run or, or something like that. Um, Freddie Kitchens is going to run the football. Yeah. You know, For as much as we talk about the air raid and as much as we talk about in the NFL, it's a, it's a passing league. Freddie Kitchens is a little bit old school in, in that he wants to run the football, and he's got a good one in Nick Chubb. Yeah, and... Uh... He wants explosive plays, and you can get explosive plays with Nick Chubb. So even though Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator, probably wouldn't really want to run the football that much, <laughs> the Browns are going to run the football, yeah. especially when you have a Nick Chubb. And when we talked to Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday, even he said he was surprised. He has watched him play in the SEC. Even he was surprised by the speed that he showed yesterday and in these two practices. So the other thing to think about with Nick Chubb is, you know, think about this. He's got Kareem Hunt breathing down his neck for coming back in Week 10. You think Nick Chubb is willing to concede anything? Heck no. I mean, these guys are going to be dynamite when they're on the field together. Nick's not going to give up without a fight. 
and and it's it's going to be an issue for defenses if they can get Hunt on the field and have Nick Chubb there. Uh, I mean, you you can put Cream Hunt anywhere. You can put him in the backfield with Nick Chubb. You, you, I mean, you can come you can really come up with some things and, and dial up some things that are going to cause just nightmares uh, for opposing defenses if they can get Cream Hunt back in Week Nine. Uh, topic four, I'm going to go with Miles Garrett. Uh, I think we, we bring this topic up every, like, three or four podcasts. But, again, this was a chance to see Miles go against an opposing offense. And I think uh, Anthony Costanzo, I wrote this yesterday, if he could drive Miles Garrett to the airport today, I think he probably would because he's probably having nightmares about dealing with Miles Garrett. We saw a, a full display, bull rushes, inside moves. Um, the, the theme of camp so far has been Miles Garrett getting into the backfield and throwing up his hands because he can't touch the quarterback. Um, he's, he's just continuing that, that dominant stretch that we've seen. Yeah, and, you know, I saw quotes from uh, Frank Reich, Colts coach, yesterday talking about uh, we've got to take our medicine and say we got beat today from a protection standpoint. They're worried about their offensive line. And I'm just kind of smiling to myself <laughs> about this because I'm thinking, you know what, you just ran up against – a very, what I think is going to be a dominant defensive line. Freddie talks about how this defensive line is going to be the strength of the football team, and it's shaping up to be that. And there's no way you're blocking Miles Garrett this season one-on-one. I just don't see that happening. Uh, You're going to have to chip him. You're going to have to double-team him. You're going to have to do whatever it takes uh, to try to slow him down, and even then... Uh, he's he's going to be coming after you. So beware of Miles on the loose this season. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll expand this topic a little bit because we got to see the whole defensive line. We got to see all four of those guys. But then also something they did was uh, with Jannard Avery back is they would put him at end, and then they'd move some guys inside, outside. Chris Smith would play inside next to Jannard Avery. Uh, Miles Garrett would line up on the other side. Uh, there's a lot of versatility that they can do. I think I've seen in camp, at least, Larry Ogunjobi kind of rush from the outside even. I don't know if he lined up at the end or if it was a stunt or something like that, but I've seen him rush from the outside on a couple occasions. So there's a lot of versatility with what they can do with that line too, especially now that they've got they've had Chris Smith and now they've got Jannard Avery back. And, again, we've said this over and over again, Jannard Avery's a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to call him an edge, call him an edge. But... He's not doing linebacker stuff right now, um, and, and he's going to be in that mix to have a big year too. Yeah, I mean, they, they're going to be able to rotate guys in. I mean, Chad Thomas is even out right now. He, yeah. showed, he showed some really good things when, when he uh, was healthy before he suffered the neck injury, the scary neck injury the other day. So they have depth. They have talent. They have run-stopping ability. They have rush ability, and it's such a complete and deep unit. Okay, topic five. Topic five. I'm going to go with not backing down. Uh, Freddie Kitchens came out on Wednesday. There was a little skirmish. And instead of saying, you know, that's not what we're here for, we said coming in we weren't going to fight. He said we are not going to back down to the Colts. He sent the message out there. They came back yesterday. There were at least four fights. There was one bench-clearing brawl. And... uh, and when we asked OBJ about it afterwards, he said, message received. We came here to impose our will. So that's what I think I saw yesterday. Yeah, I, th- I think it was, I think it might have been five. Uh, there was one on the defensive end. There were a couple during the special teams, a couple on offense. Um, it might have been five, yeah. five fights total yesterday. And that's, 
Um, you know, we're going to get to that with my next topic here in, in a minute. But, yeah, I mean, they decide, it was a little surprising, I think, on Wednesday when we asked Freddie about the fights. I think we expected a different answer. And he comes out and says, no, we're not going to back down. We're not going to take anything. And that, that just goes with this kind of culture he's trying to create. And he wants his team to be tough and physical and not back down. Um, they weren't running gassers. They weren't doing anything like that. Uh, it got a little out of hand yesterday, but that, that's sort of how Freddie wants his team to be. And look, when you haven't won much and you've been a joke of a franchise for a long time, Maybe you need a little bit of that attitude. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see yeah. how that goes because some of those fights occurred right after Reese Fountain, a first-year wide receiver, had a had a, a gruesome and horrible ankle injury on the field. Yeah. And you know what that does to a practice? It casts a pall over a practice, uh, and it's just it's a scary sight. And then to have these two teams fighting after that with, I mean, throwing haymakers, it's not worth getting guys injured in these practices. That's what I don't love about these practices, that fights break out all the time. Joel Batonio said that heading in, but he had to come in, run in, and defend a teammate. He was one of the first people there because that's what you do. But I just think it's counterproductive, and, and I, you know, I just, I don't know. I I thought they should have called the practice. When I saw the fourth fight on offense, I said, this is ridiculous. Call the practice. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's getting out of control. You want to control your football team. I, I was actually surprised that uh, the fighting continued because uh, you know Scott Petrak came over to kind of ask how the defense was doing yesterday, right after the injury, and uh, you know I, I told him kind of what happened with the injury. I mean, it was an absolutely awful scene, and I said, well, maybe that's going to settle everybody down. You know, they'll just try and get through this. Nope, didn't happen. <laughs> it, uh, it it just escalated after that. So let's let's lead that into topic number six: um, joint practices. I, I guess the question here is, and and hey, I wrote about this on our uh, football insider newsletter today for people if they want to subscribe and check that out. I guess the question here is like, what did the Browns really gain from this, and what did the Colts really gain from this? This. Joint practices have been a trend as the preseason has sort of become less and less meaningful. And I just wonder, like, now now that we're a few years into this joint practice thing, has that sort of gone the same way? I'm trying to figure out exactly what the Browns take away from this. Well, I've said, I said this before they came into the joint practices, uh, and I will say it again. I think that's something that needs to be collectively bargained yeah. to make your football team go up in pads against another football team two solid days, and it's like double practices because you've got two solid hours of your offense going rep after rep after rep and two solid hours of your defense uh, doing the same thing instead of kind of taking you know, taking some breaks like you do in, in regular yeah. practice. Uh, I... I'm not a fan of joint practices. I think it's like making your players play two preseason games, two more preseason games, without them being collectively bargained. And I don't, I'm surprised that the players stand for it because I do think it lends itself to injury and fighting. Yeah, and just, you know, I've sort of been pro joint practice, but now I've been to two of them. I went to the, the practices in Tampa a couple years ago, and now these, and it's really just this. I think the competition is good, and I think testing yourself against an opponent is good, but you just look at the setup. 
like the Browns had to come in, practice, they go get on the bus, you know, in their uniforms. They don't have a locker room to go to and shower in and all that. They get on the bus in their uniforms. They got to drive, in this case, 35, 40 minutes back to, to Indianapolis from Westfield. It, it just sort of, I, I don't know. I, I wonder what they benefit from. Maybe John Dorsey and, and Freddie Kitchens would say, hey, it was great to see tape against another team. Um, but for me, I, I didn't come away thinking like I learned that much more about this team than than I would have in Berea. Well, I think one of the things that Freddie and John Dorsey also had in mind was the fact that they wanted to get everybody out on the road, let everybody experience, you know, the whole travel thing and, you know, being out of your comfort zone and having to deal with being away from everything and uh, for, you know, four or five days. Also, sometimes it can bring a team together a little bit when you get away from... Yeah you know, from your regular routine. And it's just you guys in the team hotel. And I think there was some of that. I think Freddie fostered a lot of that on this trip. More so even than what they got on the field. Although I think they did get an opportunity to just to, to measure themselves and see how good they are. Because you don't really know for sure how yeah. good you are when you're practicing it yourself. But I think he fostered that sense of team in the team hotel where he, I think he kind of really gave it to him on Wednesday when he didn't feel that they set the tempo on Wednesday, I think Wednesday night they heard from him about that. And then they came out and he got what he wanted on Thursday. Uh, and I think he kind of brought them together and had them wanting to run through a wall. So I think they got that out of it, but I, I, I'm still not a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think from that standpoint, like going back to the fighting thing, as much as you don't want to see it, you know, these guys did stand up for each other. They did have each other's backs and go through that experience. So it does sort of build that a little bit, but um, I, I wonder if we've started to, to overrate these joint practices a little bit as far as what they can accomplish. Uh, all right, that'll do it for uh, this Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We don't have any extra points, do we? No, I don't. My only extra point would be Austin Corbett. That's a concern, but it we'll is a concern. Have plenty of time to talk about that. Well, one one other thing about that, as long as you brought it up, uh, Drew Forbes earned some snowflakes from Freddie yesterday. True. He has been appearing. With the first team at right guard in in the red zone, they're giving him some reps there to see how he can handle it, and I think we'll see some of that in the game. And uh, they're liking what they see from him, and they're throwing some more reps at him. What is this going to mean in terms of the starting right guard job? It's still up for grabs, and he's got just slightly over three weeks to, to see if he can go out and win it. And, you know, who knows from here? Yeah, it's up for grabs, and unfortunately, right now for Austin Corbett, I don't think he's—I don't think he's in the mix for it. No. Uh, right now, that could change over the next few weeks, but right now, uh, view him as your backup center until further notice. Um, all right, so that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Again, I apologize for the background noise and the music and all of that, but that's life. Uh, trying to record these things for you out on the road. Uh, we will have full coverage of the Browns Colts preseason game. We got a lot of great stuff up on cleveland.com slash Browns, so go check that out. So for Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.